Welcome to the podcast Love at First Science with me, your host and fellow inquisitive inquirer, lover of all things nerdy, Celeste. As a physiotherapist and neuroscience student, I really do love science. But I'm also really interested in the world of business, creativity, psychology. So this podcast is going to interview all sorts of different people from many different backgrounds to really gain an understanding of the science behind their passion. Our next guest in the series is Hannah Barrett. Now, Hannah is not just any yoga teacher. She partnered with highly skilled Fanola Burrell, who's also in the series, a physiotherapist, and together they wrote the book called Strength Through Yoga. Now, this is a guide for mums who are returning to yoga after delivery. And there's a huge amount of research and science in the book to back up its methods. Now, I know the work that goes into writing a book and the tremendous amount of learning that goes alongside a project like this. She's also completed several comprehensive anatomy-based trainings, and her knowledge really shines through in this podcast. So together, let's hear from Hannah. So a really warm welcome to Hannah Barrett. She's um, this incredible yoga teacher. She's a mom. She has got this booming yoga business and I'm lucky enough to call her my friend. So Hannah, welcome to Love at First Science. Uh, Thank you so much for having me, Sally. I'm just excited to talk to you as always. Oh, babe, listen, can you just give the listeners a little brief introduction about yourself so they know who you are and where all your amazing knowledge comes from? Yes. So Hannah Barrett, based in London. um, And I wasn't always a yoga teacher. I used to be an actuary for 10 years. So I used to work in maths and like finance, basically. And then I fell pregnant and I just realized that I wasn't kind of fulfilling my purpose and changed what I wanted to do and trained to be a yoga teacher and then had another baby. And I am really interested in anatomy, which I, you know, which is why I kind of was drawn to your classes, Sal, and all your teachings and wonderful, yeah, all the knowledge you share. Um, and I just love understanding the body. And what started with me was just helping postnatal mums. So people that are having a baby understand their body, how to get strong again. And it kind of went from there. And just in general, just helping people to understand their bodies a bit more and to use yoga, not only for body, but for mind as well, because it really does seep into the whole of your life, doesn't it? Yeah. And I know that you have very successfully launched Strength Through Yoga, which was a book which I think has helped so many people already. But you also now have, are launching a book about yoga philosophy. Yeah. So it's it's a mixture of everything. It's called Yoga Happy. I don't know if I've told you the name of it, but um, it's launching at the beginning of next year. And I'm really excited about it because one of the things, I don't know if you find this as well, but yoga can seem very inaccessible, like not only just the postures and like people like looking at it thinking, God, I'm like, I can't touch my toes. I'm never going to be able to do that. But the words, sometimes when you hear all like bandas and drishti and things like that, like it, it feels like a bit like, oh, that's an exclusive club and I don't know what that means, so I can't join that. So I wanted to kind of simplify things. I wanted to show people what tools yoga can give you to keep you calm, keep you strong, um, because life is chaotic, right? But also to like strip it down to say like, you know, this these are the eight limbs of yoga. What do they actually mean? How can you bring the yamas and niyamas into modern day life? Um, so yeah, it's got movement, it's got breath, it's got meditation, it's got journaling, it's got all kinds of things, but it's kind of, it's the things that I do to keep me happy. Yeah. And, I, you know, I know how much 
pressure you're under not only are you a mom of two very small kids but you run like I said a very successful business and to be honest as someone who looks at you from the outside I often am met with the thought how does she do it all and she's always so smiley and what was so beautiful about looking at your content is you're very open about the fact that you make mistakes and sometimes you tell your kids look I'm really sorry I yelled at you that wasn't your fault that was that was me having to deal with my stuff and I took it out on you and Honestly, like that level of honesty and transparency and you're an incredible leader, basically. I look to you as a leader and I just, I don't know where this question is going other than me just fangirling (laughs) at you. (laughs) I love you. I guess the question is how do you do it all? (laughs) Oh, do you know, it's funny because I I think lots, I look at you and think the same thing. I think we often don't realise how much we do. And I say to people like, pause, stop, look at all the things you've done. And I I look at other people thinking exactly the same thing. Um, But I'm also super (laughs) organised. And I used to be a proper perfectionist. I don't know if you used to suffer from perfectionism. So for me, I'm like, I don't want my kids to be like that. So when I screw up, or I, because I often, you know, I, I can often shout and lose my temper. I'm like, actually, do you know what, guys? it's okay. This is why mommy's actually really tired because I didn't sleep or whatever the reason was, whatever the trigger. So they can know that it's not them, but also that it's okay that because kids have like big emotions and they often lose them. And to know that they're not alone in that is big, isn't it? So huge. Yeah. And I think that that's the reason why I wanted to bring this up on the podcast was especially because of the book that you're coming out with. I mean, this is you kind of living those truths in action. And I know we're going to talk about science in a second, but I just wanted to kind of touch upon this because I feel like, yes, science is this amazing thing and we should look to it to help guide us. But I think underpinning all of that should be really how we're living our lives day to day. And when I watch you, I'm like, wow, she actually really does walk her talk, which I think is so beautiful to observe. See, I, it's funny. I really, I do really try to, and I notice when I'm not. So when my meditation drops off or my journaling and I, I will suddenly realize that I haven't done it for a week or whatever it is, even just a few days. And I'm like, oh, I'm not feeling right. And then I'm like, oh, all these things that I tell people to do, because, you know, we can fall into this habit, can't we, of yoga teachers, especially if we teach a lot of preaching and not listening to our own advice. Mm. And that is the worst thing. We've got to follow our own advice. Other, you know, otherwise, what's the point? Otherwise, what's the point? Totally. And it's very inauthentic. And I think that actually people are super smart and they sense that. So I think actually coming from a place of, you know, this is me, I'm messing up, but look at me trying, you know, I think that's actually a really, really good place to come from. Um, but Hannah, I did want to like take a quick sharp turn now into the world of science because okay. you and I share very similar views on the core. And this whole series actually that we're about to launch into is about the core. I'm doing uh, the podcast based on different themes Uh, We've just wrapped up breath. We're now in core. And um, this is a topic I'm extremely passionate about because I believe that the way we've been doing things needs to change. And I wanted to kind of get in lots of different experts. And I know because you and Fanola have released Strength Through Yoga and you're working with a lot of prenatal people, pre and postnatal people. Can you just give us a brief introduction on where you've come from, where you're going, what your kind of middle journey has been with the core? Yeah, so I think, um, so yeah, let's use the pre and postnatal population as an, as an example, because 
when I completely agree with you, when we're saying people are in, you know, you don't want this rigid body. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to always be holding in your core because you're just going to be, your, your pressure system isn't working. Your pelvic floor takes the brunt of it. It doesn't make sense. However, when you have pre and postnatal women, let's just use postnatal because it's easier um, as an example, you, they forget the body forgets this anticipatory nature. So the core basically works as it should. And the example you gave in the recent workshop you did was so great with the bicep because the bicep's such a good one because people really can visualize it. Like, why would you walk around holding your biceps at 30%? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, try moving like that within like two minutes. You'd be like, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. So you don't want to do that with your core. Your core needs to work with you and it needs to work in a team and you've got your deep abdominals. So your pelvic floor, your diaphragm, your transverse and your multipedus all working together as a team. So you don't want to be... Um, you don't want to be ruining that connection they have with each other. However, when you're postnatal, the brain mapping can go. So you need to, instead of jumping back into, let's say planks, you know, let's not have a long conversation because I know how you feel about planks, but instead of jumping straight back into that, why would you do that? You need to then reteach your body those pathways, that neural pathways. Okay. Where is my pelvic floor? Yes. Okay. I can feel where my pelvic floor is. Then let's start making everything work as a team. Obviously you're always using your breath because your breath is so important and everything is working with your breath. And then you bring in arm and limb movements. So for postnatal people, I would cue the core, but just to get them working it properly again. And then you don't need to be cueing it because it's going to be working properly. And when you're doing a new movement, say that you might need a little bit more body awareness, just as you would do with other muscles in your body, then you might need to think about it a bit more. But once your body knows what it's doing, it's okay because you've got that mapping and then you don't need to think about it. Totally. I don't know if I just answered your question. You <laughs> like totally kind of answered it. I, I think what was quite nice about what you said, and it's maybe something, a, a missing piece of the puzzle that I could have, could have had more clear in my messaging is that when you are when you've gone through some kind of trauma around, let's be honest, <laughs> giving birth to babies is fairly traumatic <laughs> for a woman. The, any kind of trauma around your abdominal um, area, you are going to have to reintroduce conscious awareness into that place. You are going to have to reconnect to it. And I actually uh, interviewed um, Nidhi Sharma recently, who I don't know if you follow her. She's absolutely amazing. Her handle is Think Beyond Pain. And she actually said, oh, yeah. as soon as you've given birth, within a few hours, you need to consciously be getting back in touch with that part of your body, utilizing the breath, utilizing the pressure system, of course, but consciously getting back in there, using yeah. your hands, feeling the area, visualizing it, contracting along with the breath. And I think that that is a massive missing part of the messaging when I did my core workshop, actually. I know you alluded to it earlier that I maybe could have been a little bit more clear on that because what's so beautiful about the information you and Fanola are putting out is that when you have gone through that trauma, you That's do clear. need to spend that time laying the foundation again. But you, you did actually cover it. I don't think you massively missed it. It, may, it maybe wasn't as big as a point of that, but you, you didn't. And you're so right about getting in back into it quickly because for most people, even if you've had a C-section, as long as you've passed urine, you can, you can, get that connection with your pelvic floor going again. And just being, as you say, like really aware of your body and the different parts of it, because it can be a bit taboo, can't it? Because you can't, it's not like you can from the outside, like it's not like we can do a pelvic floor exercise now and see it working. It has to be kind of, yeah, it's, um, 
it, it shouldn't be taboo. We need to get it on taboo. And you've seen the nice guidelines this this week changing about making younger um, women aware. I wonder what you feel about that and whether you feel like that could cause issues. I haven't. I just saw an article about it, and I was a little bit worried about their explanation of how to do it. And I was like, "Oh, I don't know if it needs more explanation." But I didn't know if it was just whoever wrote the article. Um, My love, I haven't seen it. Can you fill us in on what it said? Okay, so it's basically just saying that um, girls. I think it's from twelve uh, are going to be taught pelvic floor exercises now in a school mm. setting, um, but when you're thinking about your pelvic floor, it's not just a squeeze. You don't squeeze that area. It's kind of lifting and it's back to front. You want to think Mm. about it. It's the whole area. So like you're stopping yourself from passing wind and water. Um, But just as important as it is to have it strong, you have to be able to release it. And this is one thing that you, you know, you said you suffered with that you were always lifting it. And releasing mm-hmm. it is a big point. And actually, we have a whole section in our book about this because lots of people do get this um, overactive pelvic floor as well because they're always lifting it. And it, yeah. your body's not going to work for you. No, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, what was quite cool about covering Julie Weeb's content, and if anyone is listening and you want to do <laughs> deep dive into all things core, looking up Julie Weeb is definitely worth your time. She actually speaks about how women should be targeted from adolescents but not necessarily just on focusing on one team member, i.e. the pelvic floor, but actually yeah. looking at the system as a whole. Because what's happening with girls as they start developing breasts is we either cover it because we're horrified oh. or we flaunt our stuff. And what we're doing is then developing around that shift in the rib cage. And actually what's so interesting about looking at posture as a mechanism to get better core engagement is that with, if we are developing an unusual system with our rib cage, that affects the, the, the diaphragm. And the yeah. diaphragm is actually what's leading the charge in terms of core engagement. So I really wish the NICE guidelines, instead of just focusing on the pelvic floor as an isolated team member, looked at the whole system. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it does because I haven't like read the whole thing, but I suspect it doesn't because they probably just want to keep it really simple and but it's, yeah. it's so right. It's not, you can't just look at it as one thing, can you? Absolutely, completely agree. And also if we're looking at these young adolescent girls and if they are being told in their gym classes to grip their core and then at the same time being told to lift their pelvic floor, what's really going to suffer is their breathing. And that's probably going to have then a knock-on effect on anxiety levels, their yeah. gut working properly. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a multifactorial issue. I mean, you've got a little girl So I guess you're kind of already thinking, you know, in the future, this is something that you're going to have to educate her on as well, how her little body has to work. It's so interesting, though, like watching the kids breathe and how beautiful children breathe because they haven't got any of this thing yet with their, you know, they've got their lovely straight spines and they're not trying to suck their bellies in and they just breathe like we're all meant to breathe. So I use it as a reminder, like, okay, release release the belly because I still do it sometimes and I'm like oh okay make it make a point to just pause this is why we all need pauses in our day don't need to just stop and breathe and actually pay attention 
Quick break to share an offer. I have a three hour core workshop that's available on my website. It's an opportunity to take a deep dive into the scientific literature, to share some of the anecdotal evidence that has come through from experienced physios working within the pelvic health arena. But it also gives you some insights into how to get core engagement to happen reflexively. It's helped many people and I'll just share a couple of testimonials. One person kindly wrote to me saying, I just finished the core workshop and I am blown away by the information you provided. Another said, give me goosebumps actually, thank you for your beautifully crafted core workshop. It was one of the best workshops I've ever taken and believe me, I have taken a lot. Now you can learn more about the core too. Head to celestepereira.com and in the workshops tab, click on core values. Then use the code RELAX, all lowercase, that's RELAX, to get 35% off. Yeah, that's, I love that. I love that. Is that something you put in your book, the pausing? Because yeah. I think that's really 100%. profound. Yeah, I like no, that a lot. So easy, isn't it? Just started wearing my Apple Watch again and it, it, it has like the breathe reminder, doesn't it? It's like, oh yeah, always oh, like, oh, okay, yeah, take a deep breath. Take a moment, take it all in. And I think that actually that power of pausing actually gives you a chance to smell the roses and enjoy your life. It's that's those small pauses that actually remind you it's happening now. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So one of the things you mentioned in your core work workshop that was really interesting that I didn't realize is how many people are holding their breath and doing oh, things and holding their breath. Athletes, high-level yeah. athletes. Yeah, crazy. It's crazy. And they're actually doing very simple things and actually holding as a response to this core gripping. And, and you know what's so cool is that actually we should be using some holding breath to lift heavy. But then people are translating that into lifting a pencil off the floor. It's just not task specific. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And so tell me, my love, if there was key takeaways from your strength through yoga that you found as being really revolutionary for the women that you've worked with, what kind of key takeaways would you share with the community? And I'd, I'd share this as well from my experience of having babies is that especially if you come from like where I came from, where I was very used to exercise. I was very fit. I was very strong. I was strong throughout my pregnancy and you have the baby and you're like, I want to go. I want to move again. I can not have a baby anymore. So I want to move my body. And my key takeaway is pause. It's like a, a theme running come full circle, but pause because I, when I, so after I had my first, I had Jack, I just jumped back into the wrong kind of thing. It was actually a postnatal class, but with, with kettlebells and I was six weeks postpartum mm. and I worsened my diastasis and I, I injured my shoulder and it was just, a, it was just too much. And actually what I needed to do was what I now teach. And it's like, start with the fundamentals, get that connection again with your pelvic floor, start bringing the other deep core muscles in, then move your arms and legs because Going back to this idea of the bicep, if you haven't used your bicep in nine months properly because your muscles are lengthened and they're not going to work optimally like they would, then you would never go and pick up a 20 kg dumbbell and start doing bicep curls. It would be ridiculous. But yet, because of when we work the core, we tend to not do muscles. It's not like someone attaches a weight to your pelvic floor, right? Um, that, like, sorry, that visualization was horrendous, but... <laughs> But anyway, you you don't think of it the same way. But actually, if you're going to start doing a plank and, and a one-legged chaturanga or whatever it is, it's like going in at that 20 kg and your body can't cope. So rail it back, do those fundamental exercises, get that strength, get those pathways building, and then 
you are just in the long run, you're just going to have so much, but you're not going to have issues with prolapse, with incontinence. And it's really sad that um, people still think, you know, this idea of a mum tum or incontinence or prolapse is normal, is mm-hmm. like a new normal of having a baby. Oh, I've heard one doctor say to a friend of mine, you've had a baby. What did you expect? Of course, it's going to be a car crash down there. A GP oh, said no that. Way. Horrendous. So like the That's messaging so... isn't that. Like it's not no. that at all. Like you, you, you're not broken. You just need some tender, loving care, and you will be as strong as you were before. I'm without a doubt stronger than I was before having babies. Now, um, yeah, I watch your practice, and I literally have my eyes jumping out of my skull <laughs> because woman, you. you've had two kids, and I, no, no ways. I cannot do what you can do when you put your feet on the wall and you're in plank. And I'm like, oh, I tried that, and I'm like shaking like a little leaf. <laughs> You're amazing, Hannah. But anyway, so basically my point, my point is slow down, like go back to the fundamentals and get your body to just function as it should do. And don't forget the breath, because I know you've done a whole old series on the breath, but the breath is key. Your diaphragm is part of your deep core and it's all working together. So get it working together how it should. Yeah, totally. And what would you say some of the myths are? I know you touched upon rigid core, but are there any other myths out there that you think you hear all the time and you just think, oh, come on, guys, like we've gone past this in the research? Um, yeah, it's a really, I well, we've got the common one for yoga, which is Malabanda should be lifted for the whole of a yoga practice. But you, you, you know, it doesn't work. The mechanics don't work. As you said, you don't walk around with your bicep. So you need to you don't just need your pelvic floor to be strong. You need your pelvic floor to be able to release as well. Like, and you mm-hmm. need to get your body body's pressure system working as it should. Um, Can you talk more about the pressure system? Because I think that that is such an important part of the conversation that's sort of been missed when we talk about core. We don't often mention the pressure system. I'm so glad you just brought that up. Yeah, because we can talk because I in your workshop you're talking about it in plank as well, and we can talk about it a bit in plank. And I'm I'm hope I get the right wording, and Fanola might listen to this and then kill me. But so <laughs> there's something in our body called intra-abdominal pressure, and um, Celeste is a really good example. I think you got it from Julie Weeb about thinking about your um, uh, abdominal cavity. That's the right word, isn't it? as a which is basically so you've got your diaphragm in the middle here and everything below that's your abdominal cavity so when you breathe in your diaphragm lowers but this abdominal cavity you can't compress it it's like a balloon or a water balloon so if you hold your core rigid and your diaphragm's going down then what's going to happen the pressure has to go somewhere so it's going to have to go into your pelvic floor so that's really useful to understand why we shouldn't be holding rigidly on the inhale, why we need some lengthening. So going into something like plank, you're like, well, should I not be holding my core? But the thing is, if your body is strong enough and ready to be in that position, then your core is going to automatically turn on as your other muscles do. And what Mm -hmm. happens when you inhale is this pressure system will mean that you will have some expansion of the belly, but your muscles are still working, but it's eccentric contraction. That's the right word, exactly. isn't it? Exactly, yeah, eccentric loading through that muscle, exactly. So you are going to have that space because you need that space. You're not gripping in that position. And if you watch any of my videos when I'm in plank, you will see my belly move. I'm not holding rigid. I'm not bringing the air just into my ribs because that is not what, that's not what how our body should work. Yeah. Um, did I our ribs do, yeah, mass yeah, so our ribs should move as well. So. Yeah, our ribs should move, of course. No, and I, I know that that's what you meant, but it's not an isolated thing that you can only basically the diaphragm is a massive muscle. 
So yeah. it's going to create massive change, not only in the ribs, but also now the abdominal cavity. I'm so glad we sing the same tune on this because um, like with, with many kind of new emerging sciences, I suppose as this information comes out, there is a lot of resistance around it because we've been taught to do things a simple way for so long. And then suddenly if we create this, suddenly if we change the narrative, it's very difficult, you know, to suddenly go back and go, guys, you know, we have to, we have to go back to the drawing board. It can be difficult for teachers. Yeah. But sometimes like, I think some people overthink it and it might not actually be different to what they've been teaching. It's just said in a different mm -hmm. way that makes sense. And actually it's maybe this idea that you have to hold rigid in certain things, maybe like plank post giving example, then, it, then it's changed. But the other thing to note about the diaphragm as well, that and I know you said this in your workshop too, but there are, um, if your diaphragm's not moving properly, there are so many things that attach to your diaphragm or go through, like, aren't they? You've got your like psoas yeah. and your QL. Am I right in those ones? That well, there are so, so kind many of systems, everything from your psychological system to your gut actually oh, relies the vagus on the nerve as well vagus nerve your heart yeah. rate variability i'm pointing to the yeah correct side <laughs> just pointing at my chest and i'm like is that where the heart is yeah <laughs> this is your anatomy teacher talking <laughs> but yeah the, the heart rate variability relies on the diaphragm so it, it hits so so many different systems which is why everyone's like go back to the breath and it's so it's so true um and as you like just saying what you said before just everyone think that if you are a chest breather, it really can affect your, affect your anxiety levels. So, you know, practice diaphragmatic breathing or just expansion through the belly. And even just doing three breaths like that, you will feel the difference in your body and the calm it brings. Um, so simple, but so effective. So, so true. And uh, Hannah, is that ever anything that either you have experienced or maybe people that you've worked with? With like um, having to deal with anxiety oh yeah absolutely well you know the issues I had so when I had my second baby um well, it was a it was a very traumatic birth she nearly died it was a very very bad time in my life and I you know I suffered from tra traumatic stress and postnatal depression and you you live in this kind of like not breathing properly state. You don't realize it because you're not paying enough attention to yourself or your body. And you're in, it's a, it's a very difficult time, but you, you, it, when you do pay attention, you just realize how shallow your breath is and it's just all here. There's no movement whatsoever. Um, mm -hmm. And loads of, lots of people I teach suffer with anxiety and, you know, you, you learn how to breathe properly and be mindful in your movements and just bring that mindfulness into everyday life as well. And it can make a big difference. It's important to say though, that it doesn't, yoga isn't a cure-all, a quick fix, you know, magic pill for everyone. It might not work. And it might be that you, you know, if you're really suffering, go and see a health professional. I had therapies alongside, which I don't, you know, that I'm honest about, um, we all need different things. Like we're all different. And you say this as well, like one thing that might work for me and my body might not work for you and vice versa. You need to, you can't just say this is black and white and this is right. We have mm. to be bigger in our approach. Yeah. And also I think the thing that we were talking about before we started recording is that not only should we be bigger in our approach according to context with each individual, but also we need to remember that there's this incredible body of knowledge that's constantly evolving and we should evolve alongside it. Yeah, everything's changing. We know so much more, which is, um, oh, I don't know if we want to get onto this topic, but which is why I actually like 
ashtanga terrifies me that people do that with their bodies six days a week and I'm like we need they need to maybe mix it up I don't know if you want to get onto this but yeah I know I have been kind of um <laughs> burned at the stake as it were sometimes for were you oh wow <laughs> well I mean I understand because people have turned to a practice like Ashtanga and it's served them incredibly well during very difficult times. It's helped them on multiple levels of their being. And if someone's saying, then hang on, we need to be careful because potentially that is what's disrupting the collagen, sorry, the ligaments in your knee. And maybe that's why you're suffering with that. It can sometimes feel like a personal attack. I absolutely think do what works for you, but I do think we need to have a balanced approach balanced in how system. we look at the body. And unfortunately, sorry, just quickly, with something okay. like Ashtanga and using your bandhas, for example, I mean, to grip your, your, your bandhas for an entire session every single day of the week, I think people don't realize the knock-on effect that's happening in their bodies. So do you want to hear a story? Um, actually, yeah. I'm going to say one thing first. I actually don't think an Ashtanga practice is bad, but if I did it in my body six days a week, my body would break. Like, it's just yeah, too, mine too. I used to do that, and that's why I had to stop because I was oh, so broken. Wow. Yeah, I loved Ashtanga. It was my my first love. Was it? Oh, I didn't know that. No, Um, but I read a book when I was pregnant and it was a pregnancy book for Ashtanga yogis and it was great and I can't remember what it was called, sorry, but it had like modifications and talking into it. But the point I actually stopped reading it was when it talked about the birth stories and I really wanted to immerse myself in positive birth stories and they were trying to be positive. But every single one of the stories I read in this book was about people who went into labour couldn't labor their babies and end up having horrific experiences and emergency c-sections because they didn't have that release of the pelvic floor they only knew how to hold it whereas when you had a have a baby it's very important to to release and actually nearing birth it's quite important to do your pelvic floor exercises the wrong way around I don't know you might disagree with me and feel free to disagree with me but because you give birth on an exhale yeah I didn't realize please tell me more I I had no no idea about this so When I did my pregnancy teacher training, I was taught that for the whole of your pregnancy, you lift on the inhale and you release on the exhale. I've changed my view because I don't think that's just going to muck up the mechanics in your body if you do that for nine months and you're going to end up doing the wrong thing. So, and I spoke to a good friend of mine, Chloe, about this as well, and she dived into it and she's a physiotherapist too, actually. So she said, this is what I do. And now this is what I do as well. But three weeks before your due date, then you switch it up. So the whole time you're doing it on the exhale because you're working with your diaphragm, but then three weeks before your due date, you're teaching your body to let go on the exhale because you give birth on your exhale. On exhale. You want to be able to release and let go. And it's really important to learn that. Yeah. That's amazing. That's so enlightening. And I think that again goes back to the original thing of always we have to be so context dependent as movement practitioners. We cannot just say that there's one thing that's going to work for everybody. And, and that's so enlightening because it's something that I would never have thought of. I haven't had kids. I haven't been through that experience. You've had two kids. I mean, you've gone through it twice. Yeah. So listening to your experiences on that is incredibly valuable, Hannah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's fun. But it is funny because I, I got taught it one way and then I kind of learned a bit more. And I, I was like, this doesn't make sense. And then you just adapt. And it's your, you always say this, ask questions. You are taught by different people, but question what you're taught as well and say, actually, does that make sense? And if you don't think it does, then maybe go and do your research elsewhere. Um, And don't just learn what everything from one person, get a a whole load of views. Um, Yeah. And what's so nice, I think, uh, you know, I've been getting messages from people going, you know, I'm with this one person and 
I have to say, being with this one person has done my body good because of X, Y, and Z. But X, this and this, when you said it was different, really helped me a lot with dealing with my sciatic nerve pain or my headaches. And I think the important thing to remember is that we are all flawed. My content, guys, I hate to admit it, my content is as flawed. Uh, but we're know, human. Stop yourself because don't, don't, yeah, look, you research so much we're human and life is always moving and we can't take in everything and that's the thing like if someone's content's working for you great but it doesn't mean that absolutely everything they say is going to work for you it's important to cherry pick and listen to your body as my friend Adele always says stay curious and I think that that's the best oh yeah no I love that yeah (laughs) yeah it's so good Hannah I know that you are a busy lady and that you have uh, two young kids and you've got a lot going on in your life but I wanted to ask could you perhaps just wrap up this interview with sharing something that you if you had to give a message out into the world if it could be just one message from based on all of your knowledge all of your experience um, as a mum, as a business owner as a pre-actuary what kind of message could you give your one little billboard statement to the world is there anything that you feel could help pause keeping the theme but pause and ask yourself why am I doing this what is the purpose of me doing this and what do I want to achieve so I love the way you just took a deep breath when I said that but like literally pause and take a deep breath because like life is hectic there's it's chaotic and sometimes we go on this path and we get on this path and we're like okay we're on this path now I'm but no you don't have to be life is forever changing and remember that and think what is my purpose and if you don't know what that is just take a moment to like have a think and have a have a breather and think what do actually what do I want to do and what am I doing now that's serving me but what is not serving me because time is so precious and we're all so busy and that's kind of a failing of humankind isn't it we need to be less doing and more being we don't be enough we don't we don't stop and smell the roses and Mm. Yeah, totally. My love, it's something I'm really having to work on myself. I'm such a doer and I always feel like my worth is tied to the level of output. And it's been a real steep learning curve for me through the years to actually learn how to just slow down and take stock and actually say no to opportunities. You know, I'm constantly being asked, when are you going to have a child? And I'm like, maybe I won't do that because I feel like it's adding more in, you know? So I think, yeah, just kind of having that, that, yeah, that ability to say no to opportunity is is hard for some of us A-types, but actually so important. And I love that you gave that advice. Yeah, no, absolutely. And also, we all need to stop comparing ourselves to that person on social media or whatever who looks like they have it all sorted because we all have things going on. And, you know, uh, yeah comparison is the thief of joy is that the right thing I think (laughs) that's what they say yeah yeah just um think of all the things to be content with in your life and again as I said like look what what, look at what actually you're doing and you'll realize that you're probably doing so much more than you thought even just surviving this whole coronavirus crisis like it's a massive achievement right yeah I have to say I'm very you know it's so weird and I keep saying this when people ask me you know how do you feel about the whole pandemic I would never, ever wish for it on this planet or to happen to anyone. I wish that it never happened, of course. But I'm very grateful that I went through the experience and it's absolutely made me a better person. You know, like the level of gratitude, the level of just a small example, the water here in Portugal. I'm just in Portugal at the moment and the ocean is 
freezing, guys. I mean, it is balmy. What do they call it? Baltic, not balmy, Baltic. <laughs> Wrong word. Um, but I used to always sit on the beach and never go in. And I, one of the things I missed so much through the pandemic was just jumping into the ocean. And every single time I'm near the ocean now, I go straight in without any hesitation. And I always feel better for it. Oh, so, yeah. And it's because of the pandemic that I'm now a little bit more taking life by the balls, as they say. Oh, that's <laughs> so nice. I love that. So nice. How do you feel that it affected you, Hannah? Did you take any lessons from the whole experience? It was the lesson of slowing down because I had two children when it first kicked off. I just had it myself. We had it at the same time, didn't we? And it knocked us for six. And then I was like trying to release the app. I was all these things I had to do. And I just thought I've got two children at home and I'm homeschooling. I've got no help here. I have to slow down. And as you say, then you're like all of these things coming in. What is important to me and what do I have to say no to? Because, you know, you can't be working all hours of the day. You can't. It's not going to give you any. You're, they always say, don't you, you never want to, when you get to your deathbed, you never think, oh, I wish I worked more. And it's so true. Let's remember that fact. Yeah, I love that. And thank you so much for giving up your precious time to talk to me and to always share your wisdom with all of us. Um, we're very grateful to have you on the podcast, my love. And I really look forward to interviewing you again in the future. Oh, thanks so much, Sally. Thanks for having me. You're awesome. awesome. Thank you for listening and your continued support. If you feel that any of the topics that were shared today resonates with you, or perhaps you just feel that someone listening could benefit from this information, please do share it. Also remember that you can support the podcast by leaving a review. That's all for now. I'd like to wish you love at First Science.